Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect, for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the Bread of Life. Let us seek Him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher. Joel Van Hoogen. In Genesis 3, we have recorded the curse that God declared when Adam and Eve fell in sin. In actuality, the curse is really set against Satan and his attempt to ruin man and woman. God promises to bring a victory for those made in his image. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. What you will see in Eve and Adam is a responsive faith that receives this promise as a gospel for life and hope. In their response, you will see what is required for us to have faith, to lay hold in faith of the good news of salvation God offers through Jesus Christ alone. How's the life of faith possible so that you can, for the very first time in your life, come from being a child of disobedience to becoming a child of the living God? How can you transition? Where is that faith possible for us? I want you to see it in the faith of Adam and Eve, and particularly in the faith of Eve that we have in this passage. And I had referred to you, again, that I think there's an expression of her faith, and I think we'll see it here. And I want to chart for you, in a sense, the rising of faith that came into her life, and how that pattern of faith rising to claim this promise also is a pattern that we have to, and God leads us to, to find the faith that He wants to give us to li- so that we can live in victory. Here's the first thing I want you to notice in the rising faith of Eve, and we'll put Adam in there as well. We'll give Adam a little little piece of credit in this faith as well. And the first thing I just want you to see here is that victorious faith starts out with a devastating view of the power of sin. Victorious faith begins by having a devastating view of the power of sin. Do Do you have that in your own life? Can you look and say, I know how devastating sin is. I know what it's done in my life. I know what it's done in my children's life. I know what it's done in the world around me. And I don't see it as some independent thing floating outside. I know it within my own existence, within my own very being, the devastating power of sin. You might think that you can. This is where faith begins, believe it or not, is when you become acquainted with and you come to know the burden and the great sorrow and the great challenge and the desperation of overcoming this devastating power of sin in your life. But I want to tell you something. You don't know it like Adam and Eve knew it. Whatever you know of sin, whatever you felt of sin, whatever the losses that you've counted up of sin, they've come to you in the middle of a world that's fallen, in the middle of a sinful world, a world that's just covered in the opaque coding of sin from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And it's very easy for you. By the way, I ask people, do you believe you're sinners? Everybody says yes. Then I ask them, how do you know you're a sinner? And they all say, well, everyone's a sinner. Look, everybody is. Yeah, I know I'm a sinner. Look at them all. Look what they all do. Look where it is. I see sin over there, and I see sin over there, and I see sin over there. And Oh, I asked you, how do you know you're a sinner? Oh, I mean, what do you do? It's a little bit different question. But the fact is, it's hard for us sometimes to identify the devastating nature of sin because it's all around us. But Adam and Eve saw the effects of sin and its first impact on a perfect creation for the first time. They saw a transition of a creation that God had declared in every way was good becoming not good. They saw their sin seeping out over all of creation and bringing all of the world under a curse. 
They saw what they had done and how it insinuated themselves and their relationships. They went from individuals who were clothed in the wonderful white clothing of a perfect, sinless, morally glorious life. And then they sinned. And in a moment, that coating of light went out. And they instantly knew they were naked and exposed in their shame. And they tried to find some way to clothe themselves with fig leaves. Actually, they weren't very adept at closing their, clothing their sin like we are. We've gotten really good at it. They were rookies. But they knew their sin because of this tremendous transition that took place. They went from a place of perfect and complete innocence to a place of utter and complete guilt, of knowing no shame to being filled with it, of walking with God daily to hiding from Him and cowering from Him. The world turned upside down in a moment. And the Edenic beauty and form of what God had created all of a sudden was covered with a cloud of sin and death and it settled in all around them. And to them, sin was something devastating and drastic. It was something that cast its shadow over all of nature. And it was beyond them to contain it and control it and reverse its impact. They knew how futile their fig leaf religion was. They saw the cloud of sin forming all over around them and all over the earth. And they knew that it touched earth as a result of their own rebellion. It wasn't someone else's problem. It was theirs. They had only to look at themselves. And they had no answer for it. Now listen to me. Understand this is our first point. Victorious faith starts with this kind of view of sin. And you see it in yourself. You see that this is what sin does to you. And this is what sin in you brings upon the world. And you mourn it. The callousness of years of exposure to sin. And wonderfully is in the moment which God begins to move you to faith, is removed from your eyes as God the Spirit gives you the ability to grieve your own fig leaf morality and your loss of fellowship with God and the way that your sin brings harm upon your life and harm upon your family and harm upon your world. And you cry out to God to give you victory. You want so badly that this might be overcome so that God might be found and known in your life and communed with and glorified and I know when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior at that moment, you're brought into relationship with Him and you enjoy Him and you're His. But if you're going to continue to find His victory in your life, you're going to have to find that the Spirit of God is giving you and you have to claim a hatred for that sin. That sin that periodically continues to expose itself and express itself through your body and you hate it and you want to overcome it. And that's the way to victory. The way to victory first is you hate your sin. You hate it. Praise God, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, there's a principle in you, there's life in you, and the one thing that life does is it's jealous to live for God and it hates everything that's contrary to Him. Here's the second thing. Adam and Eve also knew a true antagonism towards Satan. His lies had destroyed their Eden. He had tricked them into surrendering Life, wonderful, precious, intimate life with God for death and separation from him. Satan was a foe to them in a way that few have ever felt. They hated him. Listen again. Faith rises in the hearts of those who are set against Satan and sin and darkness. And yet hearts that know there's no answer for this foe in themselves. We have to have formed within us a passion from the Holy Spirit, a passion that the Savior himself has 
to hate the enemy and every sign of his manipulating power expressed in our lives. The insinuating lies that he wants to come in and keep telling you. You don't belong to God. You still belong to me. Listen, let me tell you how to live. You do this and you, and you hate it. Because you hate his voice and you hate his approach. And you know he's the one who brings death and ruin. And you're totally opposed to his mission. So, again, faith rises from understanding and identifying of the devastating nature of sin and an antagonism against it and then correspondent to it a deep antagonism towards Satan and all of his manipulative strategies to bring you into ruin. Have you ever done that? I mean, listen. Now it's changing the issues in your day. You know, you have a bad day and you don't behave properly and you say, you know, I just had an off day. You know, I know I, I yelled at my kids and I was harsh on my wife and I, uh, and I indulged myself in a few hours of self-pity and my own self-interest. And, but it was just, I just was a bad day. I made the mistake, by the way, of saying my wife yesterday, I just think I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Let me illustrate to you, that's not the problem. Waking up on the wrong side of the bed. The problem is that Satan comes in and he wants to insinuate his control and his influence on your life and you listen to him. And you accept his voice as your own voice and you follow him and he wants to bring you into ruin and he brings you into compromise and sin. And I'm talking to believers here now. How's the way to victory in that? You identify it and you hate it. You hate it. And you hate every bit of his way and you despise it and you reject it and you develop a revulsion for it. That passion drives you to an answer that God has for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you're thinking, you're okay, if you could just solve a few of the problems in your life or that one major problem, if you could just get rid of that one major problem, you'd be an okay person. You don't understand. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Everything that it comes from is from a force of evil that seeks to bring you into utter ruin and you need to learn to hate it and everything connected with it and everything involved with it and the power behind it and God grants you the faith to hate your sin. Deplore it, feel his devastation, and long to and seek him for deliverance from him. That's the first step to overcoming faith. Here's the next thing. Adam and Eve found hope against the comprehension of sin and its devastation, along with this clearly identified foe that they saw now in the serpent. There's a promise given. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. In childbearing, there will come a savior over the ruinous effects of sin and over this one who has authored all this sin, this one who has brought this ruin upon us. And Eve grabs hold of that hope and that promise. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, Eve has her first son. And Eve says, I've gotten me a man. I've gotten me a man. Actually, I want you to know that that was an expression of faith. That was an expression of hope. There seems to be a tenor in that word that's like this. This is the one. This is the seed. Actually, Matthew Henry and some of the older commentators believe that the words in Hebrew here are actually this. I've gotten me a man, even the Lord. In other words, she was expressing, the Messiah has come. The anointed one has come who's going to win the victory for us. And crush the serpent's head. And there... They believed that Eve was already thinking of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and that the champion had arrived. You know, we know that she was wrong. It wasn't Cain, was it? Right? She was wrong. But follow me for a moment. 
we know who the Savior is. She saw Cain and thought, this is it. Here's the Savior. Oh, you're wrong. But look to Jesus now. We know who he is. Can you say it? I've gotten me the man. He's arrived. Can you say it? That's what faith says. In the presence of all of your failure, in the presence of the devastating nature of sin, in the presence of this antagonistic foe that you want to defeat and that you hope and that you long to see defeated, you're to look to Jesus and you're to say, I have gotten me a man, even the Lord. And you're to claim him and you're to lay hold of him and you're to grasp him with all of your faith and trust in him. You want victory from the skirmishes that the enemy brings upon you on a daily basis to bring you to stifle the light of the kingdom that God wants to shine out from your life. Hate sin. Hate the manipulative strategies of the enemy. And lay hold of the man. Lay hold of Christ Jesus. He's come. He's brought victory. He's available to you. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he's living in your heart. And he's living there to bring you victory into victory. If you've never given your life to Christ, here's your moment. Lay hold of him. He's come to bring you into life, into victory. And to overcome the sin in your life. Thanks for listening in today to The Bread of Life. We're a program of the International Discipleship and Church Planting Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism, and its Associate Mission Church in Boise, Bread of Life Fellowship. This program looks to you for its support. We invite you to learn more about our work in the community and around the world by going to our website, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also find links to the radio broadcast and to full-length sermons. Until the next time, may God bless you.